Okay, so we have just ended the first week in London. It's been a great uh, time of fellowship and friendship and outreach. And over the past several days, we've been outside our local train station in the morning uh, from around 6 to 9 a.m. And uh, we've been successful in distributing many tracks. During our daytime outreach from 11 a.m. onwards, we've gone to different spots in central London. And the band has gone up and uh, people have come over and spoken to us. We come home, have some dinner. And then we go out and do some more outreach outside the local train station. And then late evening, we go out and put some more tracks out, but this time through people's letterboxes. There's always things to do if you are saved. And to be saved is a great thing. To serve the Lord is even better. To think that when we leave this earth, we may have a legacy awaiting us. I hope so. But uh, so far, it's been a very successful week. We've spoken to many people. The banner, uh, we've got two banners now, have been seen by many people. And uh, we pray that the seeds will be planted. We pray that people will be saved. And if they are saved, but are out of fellowship with the Lord, they would come back into fellowship with the Lord. Before we get to uh, Romans 1, I want to just do a recap as to what we looked at over the past several days. And this will be Bible study number 5. And uh, from day 1, we looked at Corinthians 15.1. And uh, just read a few verses to you. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, but which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first all that which also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. And he was buried, and he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. And he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren once, of whom the greater part remain under his presence, but some are fallen asleep. And if you believe that, if you trust in that, you are saved and you are kept saved. No works involved whatsoever. That is grace in a nutshell. God's righteousness at Christ's expense. From the gospel uh, given to us from 1 Corinthians 15, went to the gifts of the Spirit from Mark 16. And in verse 11 we read, And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. And he got a picture of saved people not believing the core message of the gospel, which is quite incredible. Not only were these saved people, these were apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they didn't believe that Christ had been raised from the dead. They doubted what Mary Magdalene had told them, because in the first century women were almost second-class citizens. And yet the Lord chose to reveal himself to Mary, first of all, to somehow remove that stigma. Twelve, after that he appeared in another form under two of them, as they walked and went into the country. Luke 24, the road to Emmaus. And because they didn't believe on him, because they were also mourning his death, uh, he wanted to spend a bit of time with them. And it tells us in verse 13, And they went and told it under the residue, neither believed they them. They go back to the upper room, and they share the good news with the apostles in the upper room. And it tells us how they didn't believe either. Once again, saved people are not believing that Christ is risen from the dead. Incredible. And yet, they were still saved. They didn't lose their salvation, but probably lost fellowship temporarily. 14, after he appeared, unto 11, as they sat at meat, and upbraided them with unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not on them which had seen him after he was risen. Now he's going to rebuke them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart. And these verses feed into the remaining verses from Mark 16. And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, like we're doing this week and next week in London. 
preaching the gospel, articulating the plan of salvation to every creature, Jew and Gentile. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. You believe, which is what saves you, and you get baptized to show people that you have believed. But if you don't believe, you are damned. You're not damned by not being baptized, you're damned by not believing. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. He's speaking to the apostles. And he's saying to the apostles, if you believe on what you've seen, these signs are going to follow you. And then your associates. And when you get to Acts the Apostles, you find that based on the apostles, not the recipients, people are being saved. No collection was necessary. No praying was necessary. No faith was necessary. If you came into contact with a apostle or an associate of an apostle during the first century, the chances are you would be saved and the chances are you would be healed. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. There's a picture of the ascension. On top of that, as the church saw him go up into glory, so the church will see him come back in the rapture. They went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following Amen. The Jews are entitled to a sign or two, and they get the signs. Back in uh, the Old Testament, I think it's uh, Deuteronomy 18, the Jews were told that one day somebody would come from among your brethren, and when he comes, you better listen to him. And Muslims say, that's Muhammad. No, that's Jesus. From your brethren, a Messiah will come from your brethren. And when he comes, you better listen to him because he's got the sign gifts. When Christ arrived, he had the sign gifts. And he dispensed the sign gifts to the apostles and their associates. And that was it. Just the apostles, just the associates. So don't give me Hebrews 13 and 8. Christ the same today, tomorrow and forever when it comes to people being healed. Most people are sick. Most people are struggling with ailments to some extent. Paul was almost blind before he died. Trophimus and Timothy were sick. The best saints throughout church history have been sick. And some have died as a result of their ailments. I think of David Brainard, a very brave man who went to the Native Americans in the uh, 19th century. And he died less than 30 years of age. No one laid hands on him. Nobody gave him uh, a second blessing. They always go to Acts 19 for that term, second blessing. But Acts 19 doesn't refer to a second blessing. That crowd in Acts 19 were not even Christians. They were Jewish proselytes. From day two, went to day three, and we looked at a subject entitled One Second From Hell, a moment from hell, a step from hell. And I made the case that only saved people have something to be happy about. Only saved people are entitled to be joyful and to enjoy life and one of this company, so on and so forth, and yet billions of people all over the world are sitting around laughing having a good time, and yet, the truth be known, they are one second from hell. And I gave you several uh, several scriptures from that message, but for this morning's recap, I'll just give you a couple from Proverbs chapter 1, and the Lord is speaking. 26, I also will laugh at your calamity, I will mock when your fear cometh. This is Almighty God speaking. This isn't the words of a prophet or an apostle. This is Almighty God speaking. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, when your fear comes, when you're at your lowest point, when you are really flat on your back, when you are up against the wall, when you are contemplating suicide, God will laugh in your face. Why? Because you mocked him, you rejected him, you scoffed him, you made fun of his street preachers, you threw his tracks 
in the rubbish bin, the trash, the garbage. You discarded it. You mocked it. You put his people to death in Islamic countries. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not fire me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Technically speaking, this is speaking about the Jews. Probably throughout the church age. And if you know anything about church history, you know that the Jews have suffered terribly. In fact, I was told last night from our Spanish friends that in the 15th century they were kicked out of Spain. They were excluded from Spain. They were expelled from Spain. That's a terrible thing. But it hasn't just been Spaniards that have done this. The Brits have done it. Many nations around the world have done it. The Catholic Church had been persecuting the Jews for centuries, right up until 1965 when the Second Vatican Council was called. And you say, why would that be? Well, because the Jews rejected God the Father. Back in the Old Testament, they rejected their prophets and their kings. They rejected God the Son in the New Testament. And they rejected God the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 7. So when you hear that term, the wandering Jew, you know that such a description is true. And here God is speaking to unbelieving Jewry. But spiritually, I'm going to apply this to mankind in general who dies in his sin. Who dies rejecting Almighty God. Who thinks he knows better than God. Who thinks he's something special. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them. And the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely. And shall be quiet from fear of evil. What a great verse twin, that pretty damning piece of scripture. Whoso hearkeneth unto me. Whosoever believeth. Whosoever turneth to me. Whosoever comes to me, I will no wise cast out, shall dwell safely on board the ark, on the ship of our salvation, with Jesus Christ, the captain of our salvation, the author and finisher of our faith, and shall be quiet, exonerated, justified from fear of evil. Even at this eleventh hour, there is hope if you turn to the one true God to be saved. From day three, when it's day four, we looked at domestic violence, a subject which affects far too many people and the truth of the matter is that when you get saved your problems begin because you have two natures before you were saved you had one nature you were your own captain you were your own boss but when you got saved you received Christ's imputed righteousness you got his seed first john chapter 3 which cannot sin but the old nature certainly can sin and many people get saved later in life and when they get saved later in life they have many problems and one of their problems is that the chances are they've been married or they got married to somebody who's not saved. And that wasn't bad enough. They may have unsaved children. And when that happens, you've got a divided house. Matthew chapter 10 spoke about such a situation occurring. And it's devastating, therefore, when you get saved and you are living with an unsaved person who is hostile. And we spoke about a sister who got saved after marrying an unsaved man. And up until this present moment, he is still unsaved. And their marriage was rocky from the beginning. And uh, not, only, not only was she experience, uh, experiencing violence, so was their child. And uh, this sister being told to stay put and uh, put up with abuse and violence. And of course that would have continued to affect their child, who I'm told is suffering with emotional problems. No surprise there. But I will say this, that in time, that should heal. And the Lord's very gracious and he will always bless the widows and the children. 1 Corinthians 6, 6, But brother goeth the law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. But did he get that? Brother goes to law with brother. Sister goes to law with sister. The saved person goes to the, uh, the law with the saved person, and that before the unbelievers. The context is speaking about saved people suing each other in a secular courtroom. It doesn't speak about 
going to uh, court to divorce your unbelieving husband or wife based on cruelty or immorality. It's speaking about two safe people going into a courtroom and airing their dirty laundry in public. And this poor sister was having to deal with churchy people, giving her awful advice, telling her to stay put. On top of that, her own family showed no interest whatsoever in her demise. And it was very sad to get almost daily reports from this sister about what she was going through. But uh, praise the Lord, through the prayer of the saints, so on and so forth, she was able to get the court to rule in her favour. And as I said last time, he has now left the country that he was living in with his wife and hopefully he will be far away from her until he at least sees sense, repents and gets saved. One additional thought to add before we get to Romans chapter 1 would be this whole subject of the charismatic movement. And over the years since I've been saved, most people that I meet on the streets who are of themselves as Christians are charismatic Pentecostal. And they believe that God speaks to them like he spoke to the greats back in scripture. But here's a thought to put to you. If that were the case, if that is the case, if such people are speaking the truth, and I don't think they are, but let's say they are speaking the truth, keeps in mind that some of the Old Testament prophets like Samuel, Elijah, and Elisha killed apostates, killed unbelieving individuals. So if you want to offer yourself as a prophet, then I suggest to you that you'll have to follow the lead of those in the Old Testament and put people to death, which of course you know they won't do. They pick and choose which parts of Scripture they want to adhere to, and yet would have you believe that they are modern-day prophets. On top of that, what has God explicitly revealed to such people that he hasn't already revealed to us in his word? Many times I speak to Muslims and I ask them the same question. What can Muhammad tell me? What can the Quran show me? What can the Hadith reveal to me that hasn't been revealed to me in the Word of God? What can Muhammad do that Christ hasn't already done? Christ came, he died, he rose from the dead, and he said, if you believe in that, I'll take you to heaven when you die. What more do you need outside of Jesus Christ? Nothing whatsoever. On top of that, how many modern-day prophets, quote-unquote, have revealed new truths without making any financial gain? Practically zero. People say, buy my book get my DVD, I went to heaven, I saw this, I saw that, I went to hell, I saw this, and I saw that. No, you were told that I hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard what God has prepared for those that love him. Yes, John was shown the third heaven, and he was given 22 chapters of future events, which are still to occur, and that is found at the end of the New Testament, which pictures that God is no longer revealing truths to us. This book is more than enough for anybody who is saved, on top of that, this book tells me that God has put his word above his name. His written word above his name. And you were told also from Philippians chapter 2 that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow, every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amazing. But for today, I want to look at Romans chapter 1 and pick out some verses. And if we can pick it up in verse 16, please. From not ashamed of the gospel of Christ... For it is a power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That is wonderful news. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That's what we're doing this week and next week in London. For it is a power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. You get saved by believing. You get damned 
by not believing. You can't miss this to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Unlimited atonement in a nutshell. Christ died for the sins of the world, and I mean the sins of the world. And yet, if you want to be saved, you've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't go to heaven automatically by some kind of a default. You have to believe. You have to turn to the Lord in faith. 17, for therein is a righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. I love that scripture. Christ is a justifier, and Christ will make you just. The just for the unjust, they might bring us to God. Once you are saved, you are just in the eyes of the Lord. That is remarkable. Once you get born again, Christ gives you his imputed righteousness. You are sinless as far as God is concerned. He doesn't see any sin on you or in you. And there's a picture back in the Old Testament, back in Numbers, when a false prophet was called upon to curse Israel. And uh, the false prophet was explaining to this individual who had hired him to curse Israel that I can see Israel, they are dwelling in their tents, but I can't see any sin. I can't behold any wickedness. I can't see any evil. And of course, you know that was much sin in the camp of Israel, but God blessed Israel. God gave them a blessing, and that's a picture of imputation. That's a picture of the devil wanting to curse the church, wanting to attack the church, wanting to say, look at this person here, or that person there, or this person here. Look what they are doing in any given situation. God said, I can't see it. I can't see it. I'm blind. I can't see it. My son's blood has covered them. 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who are the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. But God has showed it unto them. Man knows that God is God. And that's why when you street preach, that's why when you give out tracts, that's why if you are doing what you should be doing, you get a lot of flack. Because man is convicted. Christians are convicted. And many times I get emails from people saying, James, you're doing this all wrong. They start to critique me. They start to criticize me. Why? Because they are convicted. They know they should be doing something for the Lord, but they don't want to do it. They're carnal. And I know it's going to cost them something to do do something for the Lord. It always costs you something to do something for the Lord. 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in imaginations, and the foolish heart was darkened. This piece of scripture does somewhat puzzle me, because the latter part of verse 20, even his eternal power and Godhead, being the Trinity, so that they are without excuse. Paul is telling us here that the world knows that God is God, which I understand, but I don't quite understand the Godhead section. How does mankind understand that God is three and yet one? Maybe the sun, the moon, and the stars, perhaps that pictures the Trinity, and that is an indirect revelation back to the one true God. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in imaginations, and the foolish heart was darkened. Somebody once said that the worst thing that God can do to an unsaved man or woman is to simply leave such a person alone. And that is profound. If you're not saved, if you are in gross sin, if you have become the worst type of person, and you're happy in that situation, then the chances are God has given you up. And if he's given you up, there's no way back for you. No way back whatsoever. But if you turn to the Lord, if you say to yourself, this is no good, this is ruining me, this is killing me, I feel I'm being strangled, in a spiritual sense, you understand, then he will save you. 
Go back to Proverbs 1, 32. Whoso hearkeneth unto me, I will save him. You know, he will dwell safely with me. There's that picture of redemption offered to anybody who wants to be saved. 22. Profess themselves to be wise, they became fools. A change of glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to a corruptible man. And the birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Evolution. The science religion. The worship of animals. On top of that, I won't rule out bestiality here. A sin which has never gone away. But they profess to be wise. 22. Look at me, everybody. I've got a PhD. A BA, a THD. I teach at Oxford, Yale, Cambridge, Harvard. I'm pretty bright. And yet they are fools. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. For 24, please. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own bodies, to dishonour their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than a creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. You've got God Almighty turning people over to a reprobate mind. And when that happens, you are through. You are finished. Through the lusts of their own bodies, through the lusts of their own hearts, through the lusts of their own minds, to dishonour their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature, more than a creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. I watch some of these nature programs every so often, and I'm interested in such programs, not often, but when I do watch them, you understand. And I listen to these doctors, these zoologists, and I think to myself, such people are so interested in animals, wanting to take the time out to show us such beautiful creatures and yet rarely if ever will they tell us that God made such animals and that is a great crime against our Lord that is bordering on high treason and there's no reason for that because according to the word of God animals have spirits whereas man has a soul mankind can be redeemed whereas animals cannot be redeemed and yet we know from Revelation 19 that there are animals in heaven and when the Lord comes back to rule and reign, Revelation 19, he comes back on a white horse. And we're going to join him on horse as well to observe what he's about to do. 26, for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in the lust one toward another. Men with men work in that which is unseemly, and receive themselves that recompense of the error which was meet. Same-sex relations, which is now legal in the UK, burning in the lust one for another, doing that which is unseemly, and the result of that, receive themselves that recompense of the error which was meet. Like Sodom and Gomorrah, and I guess going back through the last 30 years, HIV, gonorrhea, AIDS, 28, and even as they did not like to attain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to reprobate mind, do those things which are not convenient, being filled with unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who know the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but a pleasure in them that do them. Let's break this down. 28, first of all, and even as they did not like to attain God in their knowledge, absolutely, they hate God, and therefore they're going to hate us, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. If you lose it in your mind, you lose it in your heart, and if you lose it in your heart, you are ruined, you are finished. 
to do those things which are not convenient, not acceptable, not natural, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, premarital sex in every possible sense of the word, wickedness, kids killing kids, killing animals, doing stuff they shouldn't be doing, covetousness, lusting after everything, not just sexually, but I want this latest football shirt, this latest computer game, I've got to have this, I've got to have that, maliciousness, envy, murder, uh, mass murders, serial killers, very much on the increase now, debate, people debating on the streets with us, people contacting us saying, would you like to debate with us? We're now in a generation where they want to debate, they want to talk shop, deceit, malignity, whisperers, gossipers, slandering people, backbiters, many times people have stabbed me in the back, haters of God, far more important, they hate God, not only do they reject God, they hate God, they despise God, despiteful, proud, we got that very much today, I'm proud of this, there's a gay pride march coming up, it's good to be this, it's good to be that, I'm very proud to be an American, I'm very proud to be an Englishman, I'm very proud to be a Spaniard, I'm very proud to be a Canadian, it means nothing if you're not saved. Deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, slandering good people. There are many people online who have died. Some saved, and uh, without naming anybody, some of these people have been slandered because of such people inventing evil things. This individual was a sodomite. No, he wasn't. This individual was a lesbian. No, she wasn't. But because they were Christians, because they stood for the Lord, they have been slandered, they have been the victims of this piece of scripture, inventors of evil things. Disobedient to parents, we got that. Divorce your parents, hate your parents, fighting with your parents, stabbing your parents, killing your parents without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, picture of pedophilia, also a picture of not loving your children like you should do. Implacable, unmerciful. No mercy. The Japanese during the last war showed no mercy to their people that they had conquered. The Chinese showed no mercy to those people in Tiananmen Square. Saddam Hussein, Slobodan Milosevic, Pol Pot, Idi Amin, showed no mercy to their subjects, and yet my God is a merciful God. Who know the judgments of God, they know it's coming, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. But watch this. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. People enjoying watching a man with a man, a woman with a woman, online, pornography, that enjoy that kind of thing, are worthy of death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But have pleasure in them that do them. People in North Korea that get a kick out of watching folks being tortured to death, they are worthy of death. People in Berlin, 1945, that would witness Russian soldiers conquering Berlin, raping their women, killing their men, eating their animals, because they were starving, are worthy of death. They're filled with wickedness, covetousness, malignity, deceit. Why? Because they've got a great mind. 28. Because God gave them over to themselves, who know in the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Physical death, first death, going to the second death, the great death. Not only do the same, but a pleasure in them that do them. Guilt by association. And that's why it's imperative to get saved, because once God gives you up, there's no going back whatsoever.